Good morning. We are jumping into the book of Jonah. It's going to be a four-part series, and I'm excited to get it going today. First, before we jump in, I just want to say thank you to our church family again for giving our family, the Broughton family, a sabbatical this summer. I know it's been great. We've been able to travel in Europe and spend some time in Florida, and and, uh, we're going to be coming back next week pumped up, excited, ready to be here with you guys. So I thank Pastor Jim, I thank Sam Spence, I thank the team, all the ministry leaders. Uh, You all are awesome. I love our church family, all right? So let's hop into this today. See, we're in this series, Book of Jonah, God's Relentless Grace. We're going to learn about his powerful grace in this whole story. Now, the book of Jonah, it's only four chapters, so it's not super long. Um, It'll be easy to read uh, during your reading times, which reminds me, we want you to grab one of those sermon series guides. In those sermon series guides, we give you a reading plan, uh, the devotional method um, that we do, which is SOAP, Scripture Observation, Application, and Prayer. And we also put in that memory verse, and we put it in there for a reason, that we can hide God's Word in our hearts, and we can learn and grow from that. And so we have a memory verse for this series in Jonah, and for some of you, you may need to really memorize this, because maybe you're in a situation, you're in a season, you're in in something where you need to be pursuing God and praying to God. So this is the memory verse, and I want us all to read it out loud together, okay? So everybody ready? Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. Let's read it together. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. You're going to see this theme played out through the book of Jonah, and you're going to see in chapter 2 where this comes up, a prayer. We're going to talk about that next week, the power of prayer in difficult situations and in moments um, that we go through. But this Maybe for you. So memorize that verse this week. Keep memorizing it throughout the whole series as we go in this series together. Now, before I get going, um, I have a question. And, and normally I would say when I ask a certain question, don't point fingers, no elbows. Uh, are you ready for this? I'm going to say for this question, you're allowed to point at somebody and you're allowed to elbow if you want to or raise your hand if it's you, okay? Here's the question. Are you or anybody around you a procreator? Let me say it again. Are you a procrastinator? All right, just show hands, point fingers. Like, who, who are you who are procrastinators, right? Uh, there, there are so many times that I have been a procrastinator. There, there are a lot of reasons why. I remember growing up in school, I was not a good student in school, and I would be that, that kid that would wait until like the last, last moment to get my project done or to read that book or to do the paperwork or do the homework, whatever it was, I was always doing it at the very last minute. If I had a study hall before that class, that was my saving grace that I got to have a study hall to get whatever homework done. That was just how you guys can relate to that. Like some of you can relate to that. Um, how many of you are, uh, are notorious for letting your gas tank light come on, right? Like you're the one that you drive it until the light comes on until you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm on E and I got to go to the gas station right now, right? You're procrastinated getting gas. Our family argues about that because Nikki, she's like, if it gets to a quarter of a tank, it's empty. And so she fills back up. Me, I like, I like gambling with it. Like, am I going to be okay? (laughs) And I've never ran out of gas. So it's worked so far which is the problem with the procrastinators, because you say, see, it worked, you know, I'm, I'm okay. 
Or it can get even more serious. There's one time I procrastinated putting brakes on my car. Um, I don't know if you've ever driven a car and the brakes are just gone and like go every time you stop. And so when you push the brakes, you're like, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And so you learn how to downshift, like your engine. Like that is where procrastination gets dangerous and it can get dangerous. We don't want to be those type of people. Maybe here's some mottos, you know, that I read online, some mottos of those that procrastinate. Never put off tomorrow what you can avoid altogether. <laughs> That's a key procrastinator, right? Um, procrastination taught me how to, do, how, to, uh, how to do 30 minutes of work in eight hours and eight hours of work in 30 minutes. Anybody get an amen on that? Somebody else asked, is there a rehab center for procrastinators? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it's open yet. Ba-doom, Hey, I'm here all night, <laughs> right? But we all have a tendency at times or seasons to procrastinate, to push things off, to not want to accomplish something. But today we're talking about something deeper than just procrastinating. Uh, we're talking about spiritual procrastination. Those things that God might tell us to do, but we kind of wait or we push it off or we just outright walk away from that thing he asked us to do. That's who we're talking about today when we're getting into the book of Jonah. I mean, Jonah wasn't just a procrastinator. He was just defiant. And, uh, and sometimes we get that way with God, that we even just turn to defiance, like, nope, I'm not going to do that, or I don't feel like I can do that. There's all sorts of reasons that push against us moving into something that God calls us to do. But we want to push past those things. And I'm hoping through this uh, journey through the book of Jonah, we're going to learn some things about ourselves and learn some things about how to actually step into the things that God calls us to do and to be a part of. So we are going to get into the book of Jonah. If you haven't already, I would encourage you, go ahead. I'm going to grab a drink real quick. Go ahead, grab your Bibles, turn into the Old Testament to the book of Jonah. It's a small book. If you need to use your table of contents, or if you got your app, you can just click on Jonah chapter 1. And so we'll be there <clears throat> in just a minute. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Jonah. Even people that haven't been in church, maybe you haven't been in church a long time, you've heard about this guy Jonah. Um, sometimes we think of the story of Jonah as just Jonah and the whale, right? And so we focus just on this imagery and this picture, and then it turns into like a kid's story. Uh, I remember that was one of the big stories growing up in Sunday school. It was like Jonah and the whale, Jonah and the whale. We just learned a lot about Jonah and the whale, right? <laughs> and for some reason, the whale was always just this happy whale and had a big smile on his face. And I don't know why, because he had a human in him. That probably been uncomfortable. So, so the thing I want us to understand, though, is that this story is not a kid's bedtime story, right? This is, this is way bigger than that, because Jonah was actually a real person, he was a prophet of God, and he had something to say. See, prophets in the Old Testament, we've, we've talked about some minor prophets as we're going through in the summer. Um, uh, Jonah, his job was to hear the word of God, that God would speak to Jonah, to a prophet, and give them a word to give to somebody else. So they were God's mouthpiece to other people. And primarily it was to the Israelites and, and to the Jews in that time. But this one with Jonah, he's being told to go somewhere else and somewhere completely different, which is a part of the reason he ran away. See, this is so much bigger than just some kid's story or some cute picture you put in your nursery with a whale and Jonah. And like, it's, it's so much bigger than that. It's not a fictional storytelling 
Jonah actually lived. And we see in the Bible here, Jonah was a real prophet. He lived during the reign of Jeroboam II in the 8th century in B.C. Now let me show you this in Scripture, because in 2 Kings is where we see uh, Jonah come on the scene. In 2 Kings verse 14, it says, In the 15th year of uh, Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. This is a history lesson. You you understand that the the Bible is a history book, and it's full of dates and times, and, and you can actually map it out, and people have mapped out the whole Bible in a time frame. And so it's during this time that it says this, he was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Labo Hamath uh, to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel spoken through his servant who? His servant Jonah, son of Amittaiah, the prophet from Gath Hefer. So this is the Jonah that we're talking about. The Jonah that lived in this time period, 8th century before Christ, His job was to bring God's word, and he did in this scenario to the king. Like, here's what God said, and here's what's going to happen. And so we see Jonah, this story in uh, in the Old Testament, isn't just a story. Like, this really happened. Well, how can I prove that even more? Well, for us as Christ followers, we take the words that Jesus spoke very seriously. You know, it's been called the, the letters in red, because uh, for some reason, at some point, they put the letters of, or the words of Jesus in red print in your Bible, so you knew when it was him that was speaking. And so these are the words of Jesus. And when Jesus goes back and quotes the Old Testament, like Jesus goes back to the creation account, and he talks about that, which is amazing because Jesus was there as a part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at creation. And then he reaffirms that Genesis wasn't just a good idea or just a story. He affirms it as this is history, right? And Jesus does the exact same thing when he is being confronted by some uh, Pharisees, some Jewish leaders, and they're trying to trip Jesus up. And they're asking for a sign. And this is what Jesus said, and we're going to get more into this passage at the end. It says, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except for the sign of the prophet who? Say it with me. Jonah, right? For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish. We're going to stop there on that. We're going to get to it in a minute. But Jesus affirms what happened to Jonah in a fish that got spit out. So we see the Bible actually proving the Bible, which is amazing. If Jesus is saying, yeah, this happened, then I'm going to, I'm going to be rest assured this is not just some fictional story. This really happened. And, um, and by God's miraculous uh, power, uh, he had a plan and a purpose for Jonah in this story that we're about to dig into and some things that we need to learn through it. So, so that's who Jonah is, a prophet of God, preaching and teaching, or, or giving God's word, right? Preaching to the nation. And, uh, and right now at the beginning of this book of Jonah, we're going to see what he's being asked to do, okay? So are you ready to hop into it? Yeah? If you are, say, yep. All right, here we go. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to read the whole chapter and go through it together, and then I'm going to make some points as we go. So the word of, 
of the Lord came to Jonah, son of, of Mittaiah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now let's stop right there. Nineveh, you read a lot about Nineveh all throughout the Bible, actually. Nineveh is a very bad place. And the people that lived there and the kings and rulers in Nineveh were very, very bad people. And, uh, and part of God asking Jonah to go to Nineveh would have first off been like a challenging request because Nineveh ruled with fear, control, power, and, uh, and they were just, they were crazy. Like reading some of the historical accounts of what they would do to people and, and when they would win battles, they would take people, they would skin them alive and hang the human skins on their castle as a warning to other people. They would, they would put people alive on stakes and put them outside of the city. They, I mean, all sorts of just brutal, crazy, insane things. So they, the Ninevites, they led and ruled with fear and control and and uh, and so it was kind of like the bully, you know. I don't know if you like ever had a, a bully who made you give them their lunch money. So so when you gave you the lunch money, you were protected by them. But if you didn't, you were beat up by them, right? Like that's the picture of Nineveh. And so the, these Jewish cities and these, these these people around, they would pay Nineveh so that they wouldn't come attack them. And so here is God asking Jonah, hey, why don't you go to this city and preach? Bring my word to them. And he doesn't want to go for a lot of reasons, right? Verse 3, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. You got to be kidding me, right? Really, Jonah? You're, you're trying to flee from the Lord. The Lord gave you a, a, a task, and you're running away. You're not, well, and you're hopping on a ship, and you paid your own fare, and you're just trying to get away because you, he did not want to go to this evil place. He did not want to go to Nineveh. He, he wasn't going to be a part of any of it. And so he flees. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship uh, threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. You see what kind of sailors these are, right? I'm sure they've been on the water before. (laughs) Of course, they're sailors. I'm sure they've been in storms before. But this one was something different. For, um, for them to want to throw over their cargo, that was their livelihood, right? That, uh, that they just were getting rid of it. They were scared out of their minds. They thought they were going to die in this storm. And so they started praying to, to who? So each uh, cried out to his own God. So they had lots of different gods. They had lots of different things. And, and so as they, as they were calling out, um, they, they were trying to just help us, like somebody help and somebody take care of us and somebody and all this kind of stuff. And they're all crying out. Now, where is Jonah in the midst of this? Well, here's where Jonah is. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So here's Jonah in a storm. 
he is taking a nap in the bow of the boat in the midst of this crazy storm. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. He's like, we're praying to our gods. Why aren't you praying to yours, Jonah? Like, get up, help us, do something, pray to your God. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. And uh, casting lots was kind of like a gambling thing. And it's kind of crazy in the Old Testament. We see that a lot, that they would cast lots and God would work in the midst of casting lots. They might have like a, a small bag or small thing of pebbles and they might throw them out or they might each grab one and there was one that was different than the rest. And whoever got that lot, they would say, you know, they're the winner or that, that's the choice. But here they are trying to figure out who is the cause of this problem. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him. <laughs> they're like, okay, Jonah, you're the one that was asleep when this started. Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They just start drilling into him like, why are we dying? It's on you. Tell us what the heck the deal is. Because we don't want to die here. And if it's your fault, do something about it, right? Do something about it. He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? <laughs> they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. It's like, what have you done? They were calling out to their gods, and nothing was changing. And now he's saying, no, my God, he's the one that created everything. And now they're wondering, what did you do to upset that God? Because this is crazy what is happening on this ship. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. That's a desperate word, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever been in a season in life in a storm where it got that bad or that the decisions you made were affecting so many people around you that they're like, what are we supposed to do with you? That you might get to the same place that he was like, just throw me overboard. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what else to tell you to do. Like, he's like, just, that's, that's the only answer I have. Throw me overboard is what he says. That's how desperate right now he is, and he knows that he's the cause for what is happening to this, this group of people. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. They're like, if we're going to throw him overboard, don't hold us account. He told us to do it, right? <laughs> like, don't... Don't do something worse to us because of this. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. Wow. Wow. 
I mean, if you were those sailors on that boat, what would you be thinking in that moment? Like, I, I'd be thinking, this, this must be true. Like, what he just said, and if that's the God he worships, and we're trying to keep our hands clean in this process, and we're not trying to kill anybody, but we did what he said, and immediately the storm goes, and calms down immediately. I'd be wondering, who is this God who has control over the sea and the wind and the storms? Well, we see their response. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. <laughs> like, I don't know what the vows were, you know? If they were like, we promise to follow and worship you now. We pro-, you know, like, I don't know what they were saying, but their lives were saved, and they believed that's what did it, and they believed, now this Lord, we are going to bow to you. We're going to worship you. We're going to thank you for saving our lives because we should have died right here. Now, the next verse is the verse that kind of epitomizes our thinking of this whole story of Jonah. But it's only one verse in all four chapters. And here's the one verse. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, can I tell you scientifically how that happened? Nope. Can't tell you. I, I know recently that somebody got swallowed by a, a giant whale and got spit out. If you want to go Google that, go ahead and Google it. But I, I don't know how this happened, but, but God. See, I believe God is a miraculous God, and he can do what he wants. <clears throat> and in this scene and in the story, he was trying to get Jonah's attention as he's running away from God. See, when we run away from God, like Jonah when we're called to something or God's trying to get our attention and or maybe he gives us a specific thing that we know he told us to do and we don't do it, it's going to lead to some difficult seasons, okay? Now, I have some fill in the blanks for you. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your worship program if you don't already have it. And I want to unpack some things for us to learn, some practical things for us to get out of this story so far of what's happening. And here's the first thing I want you to write down. Running away from God will lead to a lot of downs in your life. Running away from God will lead to a lot of downs in your life. We see this in the story of Jonah, right? It started right from the very beginning. I don't know if you noticed, I highlighted the word down a couple of times in the passage. <coughs> Excuse me. Because Jonah, in he, he started <clears throat> in his running away from God. He went down to Joppa, and then he went down into the boat. He went down to sleep. He went down to the sea, and then he went down to the belly of a big fish. See, things just kept going down and down and down and down and down. When we run away from God, I will guarantee some things in your life are going to go down. You're going to go through hardships Whenever we're trying to pursue God and there's this next step he's asking us to take, whenever we run away, we're going to miss out, first off, on the blessing on the other side, and second off, we're probably going to experience some things that take us down in our life. And there's a lot of reasons why we run away from what God asks us to do, you know? Sometimes we run away because we're just afraid 
I'm sure that was a part of Jonah's story. He's afraid to go to Nineveh. I mean, that place is evil. You got to be kidding me. You're asking me to go to the terrorist's land. That's who the Ninevites were. They were the terrorists who terrorized everybody around them. And he's saying, you're asking me, a Jew, to go into that place and be your voice? Fear. See, fear, man, it keeps us from so many things in our life. Fear will push you out of the goodness of God and push you away from him. Fear is a horrible thing. So many great things are on the other side when you push through your own fears. So today, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of with God? What are you afraid of that he's asking you to do? For some of us, he may be asking us to do something really big. He may be asking you to change something really big in your life. What are you afraid of? Some of us in this room, it might be something smaller. It might be a step, just a small step he's asking you to take or maybe somebody he's just saying, just go say hi to. And you're letting fear hold you back. Why are you afraid? And ask yourself that question. Why am I afraid? What really is it that I'm afraid of? Am I afraid that I'm going to be embarrassed about something? Am I afraid that I'm not going to have what it takes to pull this thing off? Am I, am I afraid because I've tried before and I failed? Like, what is it inside of you that causes you to fear You may need to wrestle with that. See, fear as it grows, it turns into anxiety because anxiety creates a reality that never existed. That's what anxiety does. And anxiety takes our our hearts, our minds, our thoughts to places that are in the imaginary a lot of times, right? Like they, they may never exist, but we feel as if they are true. And so it creates fear into anxiety. It turns into worry, constant worry. And if you have enough negative emotions and, and all that wrapped up, it does. It just leads to rebellion. It, it leads us to becoming judgmental, maybe, towards other people. Because um, I think that was a part of Jonah's story, too. I think he was judging the Ninevites, maybe rightly so, but he's judging them, being like, God, I don't want to talk to those people. You've got to be kidding me. That we can become judgmental to other people. We can become judgmental to situations or churches or whatever it might be. I don't know how many times I've ran into people that, uh, that maybe have come to church once or twice and they, when they first started showing up, they were like really excited and really pumped up and God was doing stuff in them and like, wow, I've never experienced this before. And then all of a sudden they just disappear and try to reach out and don't hear anything back and, and, uh, and just don't see them for a long, long, long time. And then I run into them out at a store or at an event somewhere. And when they say me, they, they kind of like, uh-oh, that's, that's that pastor, that's Pastor Tim. And, and I just ask how are you doing how are things going and be like yeah, i'm struggling i'm really struggling this happened and that happened and this happened and they started sharing with me all this stuff that's gone on in their life and uh and i just look at them with grace and say listen you're always welcome no matter what you're going through you're always welcome to be a part and uh and we'd love to have you but then i may not see him again that, that happens more often than i could say and, I, and it makes me just wonder, listen, if you found God and you're excited about God and he's growing things in you, why would you run away from him? Because that is the story. You're, you're going to go down in some areas in your life and you might experience some hardships because you're walking the opposite way that God desires for you to go in. And he's trying to get your attention, lovingly trying to bring you back into a relationship with him. I just know 
that nothing good comes from running from God. (laughs) Running away from God will lead to a lot of downs in your life. So don't do it, right? So don't run. Run to God, not away. Run towards him and what he has. Run towards his calling. Run towards his purpose and see what he might have on the other side. Yeah, it might be scary. And that's okay. It's okay to be scared sometimes. Because on the other side of that, I'm telling you, when you walk with God, you'll see him do what only he can do in your life. So that's my point number one. One, Running away from God will will lead to a lot of downs in your life, just like Jonah went down and down and down and down and down until he got tossed over into the ocean, and now he's in a whale. You don't want to be in a whale, right? (laughs) You don't want to be in a big fish. The other line that, that, uh, that, that really hit me in this story is that Jonah was trying to run away from the Lord, right? Point number two, uh, you write this down. You cannot run away from God's presence. You can't do it. Like, he knows you. He knows, every, he, knows, he knows the story. He knows what's going on with everybody around us. That's the miraculous omnipresence of God. Omnipresence means he is all present. He's present everywhere. He knows by the power of his spirit what's happening in you wherever you are. So if you try to run away from God, just so you know, he is right there. And if you try to run away farther, he's right there. And he's trying to get you to run towards him. That's what he is. You can't run away from God's presence. I love the way David said it in the Psalms. If I go to the heights, if I go to the depths, if I go here and here, it doesn't matter. You are always there. God is there. You cannot run away from God's presence. Jonah could not run away from God's presence. And we cannot either. When we run away from God's presence, it's pretty interesting. I want to read this quote in a moment. But we see that when Jonah ran away, he had to pay his own fare to get on that ship. And he was going on a long journey. I mean, he was going on a long boat ride to get as far away as, as he could. And so he had to pay his own way. This, this is a good quote um, from Donald Barnhouse. He said, when you run away from the Lord, you never get to where you're going. Because <laughs> what, what's the destination as you're running away from God? You're not going to get to any destination. And you always have to pay your own fare. It's going to cost you, right? On the other hand, when you go... Uh, when you go the Lord's way, you always get to where you are going, and he pays the fare. He pays the way. Jesus paid the way for you to be in his presence. That's the whole idea. You can't run away from God's presence because he wants to be present with you. When you try to run away from his presence, you're going to have to pay the, the cost for that. You're going to experience um, the reality, the, uh, the consequences of those choices. But when you start running where God is going and he's leading you, he pays for the fare. He leads you. He directs you. He guides you. And relationally, he pays for your fare to be on his ship. You want to be on God's ship, right? How did he pay for that way? Well, here's my last point. It's this. God's Grace invites you to be with him. This whole book of Jonah, we're going to learn over the next number of weeks, the whole book of Jonah isn't about a dude in a fish. It's actually about God's grace. You're going to see God's grace to Jonah. You're just going to see God's grace to an entire city. You're going to see God's grace all over this story in the book of Jonah. 
God's grace invites you to be with him. It's an invitation. And that's what we read. We're going to go back to the, the, um, where Jesus was speaking in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, because Jesus explains Jonah as, as Jonah pointing to the gospel. Like what happened to Jonah points to Jesus, which is so much of the Old Testament, points to Jesus over and over and over again. It's the Messiah story. Even in this story, the calming of the sea, Jesus calmed the seas with the disciples. Like All these things kind of mimic each other and line up with each other. And he goes to this point of the story to explain what Jesus did so we can have grace. We can have grace in our lives. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 12, uh, starting in verse 38. He says, Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers, those leaders of the law, said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. They're trying to catch him up. They're trying to, I don't know, trying to make him prove, are you the son of man, the son of God? Like, what is all this? And, and Jesus sees right to their hearts, but he speaks truth. Jesus answered, a wicked, wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet who? Jonah. It's like, the, that's what the wicked generation is going to see. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. See, this is before Jesus taught them or or that they understood what Jesus was going to do, die on the cross, be in the tomb on the third day, be resurrected. He is foretelling to them what he is going to do. See, the story of Jonah is he had to be in the, the giant fish, Three days, three nights, God spit out. And then what did Jonah do? He went to Nineveh to pe- preach repentance. Now, the end of the story, I'm just going to give it away, but we'll talk about it. The end of the story is they experienced God's grace in Nineveh. Je- Jesus is saying, for me, God's grace is going to come to everyone, to everyone. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. He's like the Ninevites who were evil, they were terrorists, they were whatever. They repented when Jonah brought the message. He says, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is talking about himself. Jesus says, I am the one who's bringing the new message, which is the gospel that Jesus died, rose again three days later, paid for the price of our sin on the cross so that we can have life and a relationship with God. That is what he's saying. But for them, they weren't going to get it. Those spiritual leaders weren't going to repent. They weren't going to turn to God. They weren't going to be like Nineveh. And so here's the good news. Here's the insight to what Jesus is saying. Just as Nineveh, the lost of the lost of the lost cities, the one that was the worst of the worst of the worst, received salvation. So you and me, whether we look okay or we're the worst of the worst of the worst, have the invitation to God's grace that we can repent, we can turn from our wicked ways, we can turn from sin, we can ask for forgiveness, and we can be made right because of Jesus Christ. And we can have a relationship with God. That is God's grace for you and me. And today, I want to ask you, have you experienced God's grace for yourself? Have you lived in such a way that you've walked away from God? Maybe you're trying to run away from God now, 
and maybe he's trying to get your attention and you're listening to this message right now wherever you are, whether you're in the room or whether you're online or wherever you are, and God is trying to get your attention. And he's doing it with his love, his grace, and his kindness. And he's calling you to run to him. Stop running away. Run to him. Because in him, there is your forgiveness. In him, there is life. Life now and life for eternity. In him, you will experience perfect love. And if you don't have that today, I'm going I'm to invite you to pray today. <clears throat> I'm going to invite you to do what we're going to talk about next week when Jonah then prays to God. I want you to pray to God. And we read in, in the book of Romans that when we confess with our mouth and believe it in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that we will be saved. And you can do that. You can confess that Jesus died for you, for your sin on that cross that he was the one that conquered death three days later, rose from the grave so that I can have life like he has life and have his righteousness given to my spiritual account before God. And if, if that is what you want to do today, if you want to run to God like that, his arms are open wide. So I want to pray, and this is what I want to do right now. I want the lights to go down, and I want us to, to, to in this moment, I just want you to listen to God, and, and I want you to hear his voice calling you. And if you want to accept Christ in your life, I want you to pray. Okay, let's all take this moment seriously. And you can pray. You can use words like this. I would say there's no magic words from the pastor. Like you make these your words and you pray to God. But you can pray something like this. Let's all bow our heads and pray. And say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I know I keep running away from you, but I don't want to do that anymore. I want to run to you. I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross for my sins, and that he rose again three days later so that I can have life and forgiveness and righteousness. And so I want to be yours now, God, now and forever. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I want your love to fill me up. I want your Holy Spirit. And so I ask for you to give me those things and free me and give me a passion for you and lead me in that. Amen. Now, for all of us in the room, let me just pray for all of us in this season. God, I know that there are some people who are listening to my voice right now <clears throat> who they knew you, they, they already have a relationship with you, but they've been running away from you for some reason. And they've been, they've been avoiding or procrastinating or, or something. And, and today they, they need to come to you. I'm asking that you would just pull their hearts to you Help them push past their fear. Help them push past their discomfort. Push past their anxiety. Push past their judgment. Whatever it might be in their hearts, God, that you would, by the power of your spirit, empower them to push past those things. To take the step today to get closer to you. And so whatever that is, God, in their life, I pray that you would do it right now by the power of your spirit. God, today, I'm so grateful that we live on this side of the story of Jonah and this side of the story of Jesus that we can live in your grace and love. And so this week, help us live in it. And God, thank you for this word this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Everybody said amen. Amen.